Yeah, so uh, words are pretty important, right? I mean, and this is a great day to be thinking about that. And guys, some of you all were like sinking in your seats, right? I know because Hogan's, his uh, idea of a card is roses are red, violets are blue, I like beef jerky. So I don't know. You know, sometimes we have a hard time coming up with the right words, right? Now, what you should do is take after me, gentlemen. I am a hopeless romantic. I'm the one that took my wife on a getaway trip to Vegas last weekend to watch the guys in spandex beat up on each other. That is romance, right? Hey, but when it comes to words, we've already talked a lot going through our study of James on James, right? That, that words are powerful, right? I mean, words are important. And this is a day where a lot of words are going to be flying through, you know, in cards and people saying, I love you. And, and the truth is, is that Really, those words should exist every day of our life, not just on one day a year. You know, I heard him discussing that on the radio, kind of a date, debate between, you know, every day should be like Valentine's Day with your spouse or your parents to your kids or people that you have at work or your brothers and sisters in Christ. Whoever it is, wherever you are, your words make a big impact. I mean, we know that words have the power to build up or tear down. They have the power to give life or to take life away. You know, they have the power to, to really uh, destroy things or to really make something great or to encourage someone or discourage them. We could go on and on and on and talk about the power of words. In fact, in our travel through the book of James, we looked a few weeks ago at James chapter 3, verses 2 through 6, and he said this, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. We could just stop there and go home, amen? You're not getting out of a long sermon today. But he says, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. I mean, you read that, you're like, whoa, I think I'll just keep my mouth shut for a while, right? And that's sometimes good advice, right? Because sometimes we don't choose our words careful enough. Sometimes we don't think about the things that we're going to say before we say them. I heard a, a Christian comedian this week saying that sometimes the thoughts in her head aren't sanctified before they exit her mouth, you know. And that is the case with a lot of us. I don't know about you, but I certainly know that there's times where I say something and I think, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And if I would have just stopped for that brief moment in time before and considered my words, especially when you think about words being like bullets, you know, you can't bring them back. You can, you can apologize and you can say more words to try to make up for them. But sometimes our words are so painful to people and so destructive. And if we would just slow down and think about what it is that we're going to say before we say it or choose to say something positive, choose to say something encouraging to someone, Find a reason to speak life into someone. You know, your words, as destructive as they can be, they are twice as powerful in a good way. You could take those same actions and turn them into a positive thing that you say to somebody and really bless somebody, really put wind in their sails. And so it's good that we come to another part of the book of James. If you flip over one page in your Bible or just go to the other side to James chapter 4, our text this morning comes from James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And here's what he says, again, talking about how we talk about people and specifically how we talk about each other in the body of Christ. 
He says, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Ooh, that's another one, isn't it? Pretty powerful. Pretty important for us to understand. And, and we talk a lot about that here, about how our relationship in the body of Christ is so important. And, and we need to treat it with great value. How we in the body of Christ and people that come from different backgrounds with different experiences and there's different age groups in here and different comfort zones and different preferences and, and, and different you know, levels of maturity when it comes to Christianity and you take all those things and more and you put them together, it, it actually calls for effort on our behalf to make sure that we're doing the things and especially saying the things and even not saying the things that, that would destroy us because we need to build up unity in the body of Christ amen that we as the body of Christ have to be together and and if we're going to work together and live together worship together and we're going to be the body of Christ then we need to know that our words can actually cause a divide in that our words are powerful I don't know if you know this but your words are the most powerful marketing tool that we have in the world you go out into the secular business, and many of you all know that Monday through Friday, my disguise is, is an insurance salesman. I'm bivocational, and so I'm out there all the time. I know marketing, and I know that mar in marketing, there is one, one piece of marketing, one way to advertise that is more powerful than any other marketing that is out there. And who knows what it is? It's the word of mouth. That's right. It's referrals. If you could get people to say good things about your business, man, you are in it. It's even better than those big, ugly billboards in Shady Point, Oklahoma, you know? I told one of the kids this morning, that's there to scare all the stray dogs and cats out of that town. That's the only reason that's there. But I tell you what, I would trade a million billboards for 20 good words, you know, when people say good things about your business because that really makes a difference. Word of mouth has a lot of power. I'll give you an example. Last year, the storm came through, and, and a lot of people in our community had a lot of insurance claims. And, and, and there was one person who wasn't my customer, thank you, Lord, and they got on Facebook, and they started saying bad things about their company, right? And, of course, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Someone says something nice, it would be like one like, and it would be from my mom or something, you know, and then everybody would ignore it. But if it's a bad thing they say about somebody, you know, they, they, then people like it, and, boy, they get into the conversation. There's 8,000 comments after that. Good, good for me, there was a few people who got on there and said, hey, I know you don't like your company. You go see James Smith. You know, go see James. Go see James. He's a, boy, he's a nice, he'll take care of you and all that. And then she replied to it and said, that's where I'm going tomorrow. I was like, no, no. I called my staff in that morning. I said, listen, today you can smoke in the office. And I want you to cough and don't cover your mouth. And eat your lunch at your desk. And if that doesn't work and you see her coming, you shut the lights off and put the clothes sign on the door, right? Because, listen, we're not perfect either. And they may not like a decision that comes down from our company, and I don't need her out there spreading bad things about us either because the power of words, it, it, it causes doubt in people's minds. It can, it can be, a, like I said, an encouragement or a discouragement. It can really help you or it can really hurt you. And you and I know that it doesn't even have to be true what somebody says, right? They may say something good that's not even true, you know. We welcome that, but when they say something about you that's not even true, and if, if you've ever been in those shoes where somebody says something about you, 
that is not true, you feel so helpless, you know? And, and you feel so violated, and you feel like, man, I wish there's something I could do to regain what I lost, because you know that when somebody opens their mouth, and if they're talking bad about you, and especially if it's not true, even if it is true, that that hurts you. And it hurts how people think about you. In fact, that's one of the things that I would encourage you to think about when we read this passage in James chapter 4, is that, that one of the reasons it's so important for us to, to not talk bad about each other is because of what it does cause people to think. I mean, when I say that your words are great for marketing, it's not just in the business world, it's also in the Christian world, you see. Because when you're out there and you're talking, let's say you're, you're talking out there and somebody overhears you talking bad about somebody, you know, especially another Christian, or, or you're out there talking to somebody you work with and you're saying bad about somebody, their, their first thing, that you, you're marketing what Christianity is all about. And if they're not a Christian, they can listen to that and they say, my goodness, is that what Christianity is all about? If so, I don't want any part of it. Or your words may be marketing what difference Jesus Christ in somebody's life makes or not. And if, again, they don't have Jesus in their life and they see that you do or you claim to, and you're talking about somebody else like that, they're going to say, well, why would I need Jesus in my life? It didn't make a difference in their life. Or your words even market this church, you see. And as we have the goal to reach our community for Jesus Christ and plant seeds of the gospel and water those seeds, and, and, and you know, if, if people decide, hey, I'm going to come over there and, and try that church out, I heard you have a really good-looking song leader, you know. You know, someone's spreading some gossip, right? That's not true. But anyway, whatever it is that they decide they're going to come here for, they say, you know, I want to try Spyro FBC. Uh, you know, there's some folks out there, and, and so maybe they stop off at Mazio's for lunch, and they're eating some pizza, and the table next to them, they hear you talking about somebody else in this church. Or maybe you work with them, and, and you're just at your lunch hour, or you're, you know, you're working away, and you're talking about somebody in your church. Or maybe they're a neighbor and you, you get to talking over the backyard fence or a barbecue one day and you're talking about people in your church. Do you think that they want to come to your church? No. Words have power. And words have the ability to condition. It conditions attitudes, you see. In fact, that's one of the reasons that we don't want to be talking bad about each other is because when you talk bad about somebody, it conditions your attitude towards the person you're talking about. It also conditions the attitude of the person you're talking to about the one that you're talking about. I'll give you a good example of that because I see that in marriages a lot of times, especially if there's a rough time. And, and let me say before I share this example that I am a firm believer that in marriages you need relationships that help strengthen you as a person that you can be for your spouse. So you need friends. Friends are important in a marriage relationship. And, and it's important for you to have somebody that you can confide in. And maybe when you are struggling and maybe your, your spouse has hurt your feelings or, or done something. And, and you can kind of share that. And you need a wise, spiritually mature person that you can speak with, that, that you can trust, isn't just going to listen and then be conditioned against your spouse, but instead help you to see Jesus in them, to share Jesus with them, and to be Jesus to them. That's the kind of friends that we need in those relationships. I, I've counseled a lot of married couples, and one in particular that I remember, it was, it was almost like every time we would talk, they would go home for about the first three or four days, everything would go great. You know, they'd work on the things we talked about, and it would go smooth. And then the last half of that, it would just kind of go haywire. 
And it's like, man, everything would just break loose and there's fighting and all that. And after time, I finally figured out that what was happening is, and don't get me wrong, the guy was really, really a goofball. I mean, he was really making some mistakes, a knucklehead. He had some things he had to work on. But the wife, every Wednesday, was meeting with a group, group of women and it became a hand-pecking party. And they'd throw him in the middle, basically, and just start trashing him. She would trash him. They would trash him. By the time they were done, all those ladies thought that he was terrible. And, of course, she thought he was terrible. And she'd go home, and how would she treat him? Like she thought he was terrible. Because when you talk about people, that conditions your actions. So many times when we speak something, it, it, it motivates us to treat them the way that we talk about them. That's a powerful thing to think about. Because when we speak about people, we need to know that we are still speaking life into them, whether they can hear us or not, you see. And as Christians, when we talk about each other, or we run each other down or speak evil even to or about each other, then we are taking away the opportunity to be Jesus Christ to them. But let's talk about the real thing that James has been talking about in here. He's saying that the reason that we... We need to make sure we're not speaking evil of each other is because it goes against the law of God, you see. He said there, starting in that verse 11, or actually halfway through, he said, if you criticize and judge each other, then you're criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. Now, what law is he talking about? Well, you know this law, Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. The only thing that I would call the law of God for New Testament Christians, because it consumes every law, every teaching, the way that God wants us to be both towards him and towards others. When he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and this first, uh, that's the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so when we are talking bad about someone, what we're saying is, oh, that law don't apply to me. I, I know it says it, but I'm me, you see. And that doesn't fly, right? I know it says it, but I have a right because they hurt me. I don't see that in the Scriptures. I know it says it, but you don't know what they've done. Yes, God happens to know everything that they've done, everything that all of us have done. And so when he writes that, he knows all the conditions. He knows all the if, ands, or buts that we can come up with. He simply calls us to obey the law because his law works, you see. It's the law of love. Love God, love others. But you know, one of the problems, and we've talked about this before, and I'll talk about it till my last ever opportunity to preach because I think it's such a painful reality for people who are willing to open their mouth and speak ill about others is that last part where he says love your neighbor as yourself. I think one of the biggest problems that we face as human beings is that we as hurting people hurt people. We as judged people judge people. We as people who are critical about ourselves are critical about others. We as people who have low self-esteem will refuse to let others be built up. It sometimes feels better for us just to tear them down, maybe to, to help us feel better about ourselves. And that's a real tragedy, and I think what that calls for is for us to take a good look in the mirror. The sad thing is that a lot of people look in the mirror and they see death staring them back in the face. And the problem with that is even they have a wrong picture of how God feels about them, you see. And so this whole problem doesn't begin with just choosing our words correctly. It goes back to our relationship with God. It goes back to, 
I want to be who God wants me to be. I love God. I appreciate everything God has done for me. I know that God loves me. God forgives me. He gives me his grace. And I am a champion and a victor because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? I would hope I'd get an amen on that. Because we as people of God have to know that in Jesus Christ, we are so blessed. And therefore, we can be a blessing to others. And and, and if we see the value that God has for us, then hopefully we can see the value that God has for other people. That's a real challenge sometimes, I know. I mean, sometimes we have to dig real deep, but I, I, I would always suggest that we come, we come to that place first where we, we look at ourselves, you see. And we ask that question, do I feel the value in my relationship with God? Do I know that God loves me? Do I know that I am created in the image of God? Do I know that God blesses me? Do I know that God forgives me? Do I know that I have the grace of God, the favor of God, the mercy of God? And if I do, I mean, if I can come to that place that I do, then that follow-up question that fits into that law of God comes and says, then why can't I pass that on to others? And again, we look at them, and and sometimes we, we like to we like to enjoy maybe somebody's bad situation. Sometimes we, uh, we see that they're on a path that maybe we disagree with. And sometimes what happens as a result of that is we become a stumbling block in that path instead of wind in their sails to help them go on the right path, you know? And, th- and there's something you have to, to re- re- realize in the church. And th- this is tough because I think we as a church maybe, and I say this generally, maybe it hasn't ever been this church, and I hope it's not you specifically. But one of the things that I have seen in my life in the church is that there seems to be a general expectation that everybody is at a certain level of spirituality or biblical understanding or Christianity or life choices or all of that. And don't get me wrong. I will never, never, never condone wrong actions, sin. We talk about that a lot. But one thing I do recognize is that the church is a great place for someone to come in and to get on that right path. And the thing about that path is it's a journey. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Amen? I mean, I hope you feel that way about your life. My life is a marathon. I thank God that I'm not in the same place I was 10 or 15 years ago. But guess what I was doing 10 or 15 years ago? The same thing that I'm doing right now. So I I feel like I'm a better Christian now than I was then. So does that mean I was disqualified back then to share the gospel with people or to preach the word of God or or to be a, a member of the church? No, absolutely not. Because our God is a God that understands this life cycle. And and, and one thing that we will never understand about every individual in here is what they've had happen in their life. You know, too often we judge a book by its cover. And and we don't realize that, that wherever a person is in their life right now, there has probably been things that have been painful and hard to deal with, huge mountains to climb, valleys to go through, so many things. Some have been in their control. Some have been a a result of their choices. Some have absolutely not. But you take that all together and it makes that person and it puts them right where they are. And I hope that you agree with this. For me, right where they are, I hope, is right here in one of these pews, you know? Because as the body of Christ, we recognize that this is supposed to be a hospital for sinners, not a, a social club for the righteous, you know? 
I mean, this is supposed to be a place where people can come and they get into that healing process. Or, or maybe, maybe they don't even know Jesus yet. But if they don't know Jesus yet, I certainly want them here. But here's the thing you've got to remember. If they don't know Jesus yet, they're not going to act like they know Jesus yet. Amen? They're not going to have all the understanding that maybe you do about choices to make in life. About the things that the scriptures call them to. The only way you start doing things that the scriptures teach is as you start learning the scriptures. And so if they haven't learned the scriptures yet, it's very difficult for us as human beings to hold them accountable and judge them because we were in their same place. Or maybe, maybe you were blessed, and this is a good thing, by the way. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. Maybe you were one of those blessed people who grew up in a family that went to church every time the doors opened, and you went to Sunday school, you know, you saw all the felt figures, and, you know, you filled out all the Sunday school worksheets, and you sang all the songs and all that. And so you've been blessed with a life that, that re really has just kind of moved you right into understanding how we as Christians act and live and choices. And, and you still don't make, you know, always the great choices. And sometimes you make bad choices. And certainly you sin just like everybody else. But you don't have the kind of road that some other people have in their life. Well, bless you. And, and I'm, I'm thankful to God for that in you. But I got to tell you, not everybody fits that scenario. And there are folks out there right now that are scared to come in here because they're afraid that they don't fit the bill, so to speak. They're afraid that they don't fit the mold, you know. Maybe they even think that they don't have the right clothes to wear. Or maybe, maybe because we live in a small town here, everybody knows their story. And they're afraid to come in here and worship around everybody that knows their story because they've got a story. Truth is, we all have stories, amen. Some people know more about our stories than others. And the truth is, is we need to reach out to them. And we need to be a welcoming place for them. And it starts right here with the way that we treat each other, understanding that everybody in here, no matter how long you've been here, that you've got a story too. And so it starts with being careful about the things that we say about our brother and sister in Christ. That is such an important concept for us to get. And that we would love people the way, not just the way that that we feel about ourselves, but maybe we would even go above and beyond that and love them the way that we would want them to love us. Or maybe we would speak to, about them the way that the, we would want them to speak about us. Or we would speak to them the way that we would want them to speak to us. I think that's pretty biblical teaching, you know? And I think that's a powerful way to go about it as the body of Christ because what we do then is we state that we believe every human life is valuable and every human life is just like our human life in need of Jesus Christ. Amen? Such an important thing to do. And in that, we have to remember that love is not always a feeling, right? The world would teach that it's always a feeling. God would tell you that it's not always a feeling. It's a choice. It's a decision you make. A decision you make to lift them up. A decision you make to serve them, to, to be for them what they need you to be rather than be for them, you know, what you think that, that, you know, you need to be for them to set them straight. You know, we have to be real careful about that. And if we love each other like that, and if we love people out there like that, then that just brings people into contact with Jesus Christ and illuminates the truth that I hope we all recognize because this is really the underlying teaching. Isn't it amazing how many things we talk about in here that comes back to this truth that none of us is perfect? 
That's a powerful truth, amen? That not one of us are perfect. I don't ever want to convince you that I've got it all together because I don't. And I don't believe you have it all together. You know, I believe that we come together as this, as this beautiful mess, if you will, that is sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ, and thank God for that. Because if it wasn't for what Jesus did on the cross, not a one of us would have a hope. Amen? And we have to recognize that. And when we do, we have to start specifically choosing our words and our actions and, and the way that we treat people and condition ourselves to treat people like we understand nobody is perfect. And therefore, we don't expect perfection from anybody. I'm going to ask you to do something. We've been advertising it a little bit. And this is just kind of the way I want to close this up. As a praise team, if you want to start coming up to get ready to play, uh, I want to ask you to really, really be intent about inviting people to come the next two weeks. And I think some of you all know that we are going to be doing a series called The X Factor. Now, I wanna, I'm going to ask for a raise of hands. If you or someone you know has been through a divorce, would you raise your hand? That's pretty much everybody in here. You know, everybody knows someone, right? And, and you know, there's a real need out there, and I want to tell you as your pastor, one of the things that God has convicted me to start doing is to start preaching to some real needs that maybe we don't preach about a lot. And so I want to tell you that the next two Sundays, we're going to talk about God's grace and renewal for those who have been through a divorce. I think that's a real important message. I think the church went through a time where we were really hard on people who went through a divorce. And then we hit this time where we really didn't know what to do with people who had been through a divorce. And then all of us, in one way, shape, or fashion, had been touched by divorce, whether it's us or somebody that we know. And so we certainly didn't know what to do about it, and it's almost like it's not even talked about anymore. And I think that's a tragedy because I think there's a lot of healing that can be found. There's a lot of renewal that can be found. There's a lot of grace that needs to be found from people who have been through a divorce. And so we're going to talk about it for the next couple of weeks. I'm going to tell you right now, you may disagree with some of the things that I share. But I'm going to share them based on where I, I believe God has me as far as the teachings that would deal with those who have been through that. My goal, my desire, my intention is to bring people into contact with Jesus Christ regardless of what they've been through, regardless of the, th the choices that they've made or the things that really they didn't have a choice about that they ended up going through. And then it makes them feel almost like a second-class Christian or a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. I don't, I don't believe in that. I believe we all have fallen short of the glory of God. I believe we all need the blood of Jesus Christ. And I believe when the blood of Jesus Christ touches all of us, we're all raised up to a great level of equality in the eyes of God. And then nobody is more important, nobody is better, nobody is more special, nobody is more perfecter, if there is such a word, in the kingdom of God than another person. And so I want to take that specific subject and I want to try to relieve some people and help them. Maybe there's some people out there who, and I hope that there's not anybody in here. If so, then you definitely need to be here, who, who have who kind of felt like it just kind of put some distance between them and God. And I don't want to take away that myth. And then we're going to talk about other topics this year of things that people have been through, decisions they've made, mistakes they've made, conditions they're in, that we want to see Jesus Christ lift them out of. Because we need to believe that the gospel heals, amen? And that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses, amen? And that the power of God changes lives, amen? Amen? Amen, yeah.
And so I need you to go out and bring them in. If you, uh, if you see in your pews, there's a postcard that you can give to them. There's also a stack of this other postcard that happens to be my favorite one. This one here that we have, there's stacks of them back there you can take. Makes your, it makes your inviting easier. You just grab one and say, hey, would you come to church this Sunday? You might even say, hey, James is going to be talking about grace and renewal for divorced people. It, this is a cool one because it says imperfect people welcome. And basically the message says leave the, leave the bag at home. You don't have to come with a bag over your head. If we had to come with a bag over our head, we'd all have bags on, right? Yeah. And they don't even offer paper bags. We'd all be suffocating because they're plastic. So I, I'm going to ask you to be a part of inviting people. That, that, is, that is your work this week. To go to someone, maybe share it on Facebook, call a couple people, email them, text them, and say, hey, would you be our special guest at church Sunday? I know you've been through a divorce, and, and I think you're going to hear an encouraging message that will bless you. Even if they go to another church, we're not trying to steal anybody. We'll, we'll be happy for them to go back to their church feeling renewed and forgiven. But, but if you know someone who could benefit from a message like that, then would you please invite him? We're going to talk about it for two weeks in a row. It's a big subject. It needs at least two weeks. We're going to spend two weeks on it. And I hope that it blesses lives. And I hope it, it just reminds us that we're all in need of Jesus Christ. And so take that with you, will you, this week? And mind your words, the things you say, especially about other people in the body of Christ, but really about anybody, right? That we need to be careful about the way that we speak. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. And we are humbled by the power of words. We're humbled by the power of your word, Father, and how your word teaches us how good you are to us, how wonderful you are to us, and how much you give us, Father. We're also humbled, Father, by some of our, some of our times where we are weak and we misuse our words. We know that words are powerful. We pray, Father. You teach us more how to be encouraging and life-giving through the words that we speak. Help us, to, uh, help us to sanctify our thoughts before they become words, Father. Help us to use our words to build people up rather than to tear them down. And help us, Father, to be a, a source of, of, of speaking the life that we find in your word, the life that we find through Jesus Christ, that we, that we represent the gospel well, Father, by the things that we say to others and about others, Father. We want to be positive speakers. We want to be life speakers. We want to be truth speakers, Father. Love speakers and grace speakers and mercy speakers. Anything that we can say, Father, that would point people towards you, those are the words that we want to say. And so guard our lips. And Father, right now I just ask that if, if there's anyone here who knows that they've been struggling with this, that you would convict their heart and let them see that you have the you have the ability and power to work in their life and their heart and their mind, that you'll help them guard their mind and guard their heart and guard their lips as they turn their life over to you, Father, in such a way that we, we represent you well. It's all for your glory, Father. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. <coughs>